Welcome to episode 16 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and in this podcast, we'll be dealing with how to speak better, whether you're a native or a non-native speaker, areas of accent and dialect, but also communication, how you show up, how to control your pitch, how to improve your voice, and today we'll be talking specifically about how to perfect your messaging. Now, I always tell people that it's more important to be clear in the beginning. So if you have a lot of things you want to work on, always work on clarity first. I have had professional speech coaches who help with keynotes send people to me and tell them to first master the accent. First get the clarity down and then we'll work on how to be a better speaker. However, it is important at some point to perfect your messaging and that's what we're going to talk about today. Once you sound clear, you've got the accent you want, people understand you, but you just don't feel like your messaging is spot on, you do want to look at it. Some people get really hung up on nonverbal communication, and it is important to have good eye contact, not to send a mixed message, and we'll be talking about some of that coming up. But it's also important what you say. There are people who do listen, and some people are really good at messaging and others are not. There's all kinds of sources on that, so I just want to share a few insights in my podcast from my personal perspective and opinion. If English isn't your first language, one of the biggest things is make sure when you are messaging something, you've got the phrasing down, you've got the right vocabulary, you're getting ready to send this message, make sure that you don't have a snafu. And a snafu is when you think you're saying one thing, but you're actually saying something else. It might be that you're mispronouncing it slightly, that you're linking wrong, or that there's something ambiguous about what you're saying. That's where you need awareness from other people, feedback, and you also need to record yourself. But you also want to make sure that there just isn't something you're doing that's off-putting in any way. Like maybe every time you say certain things, you look away. I mean, that is important in messaging. That is, in a sense, the nonverbal side of it. But also, when you put phrases together, you want to master saying it exactly the way it should be said. Pithy expressions, things that resonate with people. And maybe have your own signature words that you use, unique things to you. And it doesn't mean you're going to make up a word, but putting things together in a novel way and explaining them, taking things from your world. If you have a niche that you're in that other people aren't aware of, making it known to them, giving them examples of it, getting animated with it. But the messaging itself is what do you want people to take away? What do you want them to remember? And there are some sort of tried and true things that I heard years ago that I think are still true. One is that the first thing you say and the last thing you say are the most memorable. So make sure you front load with a very positive image. That is when you introduce yourself, when you first get on stage, for example, and you make eye contact for the first time, you really get in your skin before you start talking. You want to avoid just talking immediately after someone introduces you take time to orient before you start and then whatever you say first and last resonates the most. The last thing you say is a call to action because that's what people will remember but the first thing you say sets the tone. So if you say something to people and they really don't like it it's really hard to recover later. So of course you don't want to offend people it's not just about saying an offensive joke or something but it's about opening in the way you want to be perceived. If you want to be lighthearted and not so serious, make sure you don't open in a serious way. If you want people to get to know you on some level, maybe tell a story or something personal when you start out. So that very first introduction is how you get their attention and they frame an opinion of you. Those first impressions do matter. 
So make sure you really practice and manage that expectation at the beginning. When you're first starting to speak to someone new or to an audience, to a public speaking event, what you say first and last matters. If you say it in the middle of your speech, it's okay. You're going to have to say something and you might use other means. You might have videos and all of that, but you want to make sure that if you give a point anywhere else in your speech that you repeat it or give examples because research has shown, and this is sort of old, but I think maybe 10 years old and may have changed, but it used to be that you have to say or do something six times. Now, this jives with top of mind awareness, right? With, in marketing, they talk about how you have to advertise. People have to hear your name, whether it's a radio ad or whether it's something on the internet or a friend recommends you or social media, whatever it might be. They need to hear that or see that or experience it six times, six times before they pick up the phone and call you. So I think it's similar that if you're going to say something, it has to be said or done or imagined or communicated six times, somehow reinforced in the middle. And if you say it at the beginning or the end, that's not the case. So choose wisely. I think that's important in messaging. And then you do have to repeat, but we often talk about in conclusions, for example, not just to repeat, but to summarize it in a different way or a nuanced way. But when you're writing an essay, we all know whatever you discuss within the body, you have to summarize it at the end. So you want to make sure that you do reinforce and reiterate your points in ways that people remember it. And so what you might have some tagline or something that you want people to remember that goes at the end. And then anything that you're saying that is important for them to know, like if you have a structure, if you have a certain level of content, like I want to do this first, second, third, you have an order. And I talk to you a lot about the order of things. It does matter. That's important to do. And you want to reinforce in the middle of your speech things to do might be to talk about an expert who has a certain opinion that backs up what you're talking about. You might dig into the research and the credibility part of it. You might use some funny quotes. You might entertain in a way. But you want to make the middle match the beginning and the end. And often that's really honing in on a couple of specific points. A big mistake made in teaching and training is to try to teach too much. So you want to keep really small what your final takeaways are, what you want people to take away. And you might have to spend some time thinking about it. What do I really want people to get out of this and only talk about that? If you cast your net too wide, it's just like when you try to work on everything in your English. We've talked about it. It's much harder than if you pick something. If you say I'm going to master the R sound, that's much better than if you say I'm going to work on my pronunciation. But working on your pronunciation is better than saying I need to speak better. The more precise you can be, the better. So in your messaging, make sure that you really focus on what people need to take away, your goal for them, what you want them to learn. So if I'm talking to an audience and I really want them to be left with this impression that I'm a jovial person, I need to get some kind of, it doesn't have to be jokes, but I have to get a playful sense in there. I have to have fun with it and do different things with my voice and there should be some consistency in that. If I just want them to be left with a serious message, you know, know something about the facts and figures that I'm sharing, then I need to make that statement pretty directly at some point. Now, you might not want to do it at the beginning. You might want to lead up to it and be indirect at some point. But then you do want to say, and especially to an American audience, exactly what it is. Don't leave it for them to decipher what you mean. Finish the story and make all the dots connect. Many times when I work with people, whether they're non-native or native speakers, they often talk about things and go on tangents, make it colorful, do all these things, but they don't really sync up the messaging so I'm clear. What was the whole reason or point behind what you said? 
We talked earlier about connecting to your audience, and I think that has a role in messaging because if your audience is not an expert, like let's say you're talking to customers, then you want to be careful with the jargon that you use or the way that you present the technology. If your goal is to get them to accept some type of technology, then you probably don't want to get into a bunch of stuff about how the code it was written in is a certain way or lots of stuff that the techie folks want to hear. You can add a little bit of that for clarity, but you're going to want to talk from their perspective your audience's perspective, connecting with them, that's going to affect your messaging. You can draft it. I don't recommend reading it. A lot of people that are concerned with messaging will write out a script and memorize it. It's generally a better idea to have talking points, which we talked about earlier. You have general themes and thoughts in a certain order. So you record that for comfort on a note card or on an electronic device that's available to you while you're speaking. And then you check in with it. So you hit all the points, but you put it in your own words. If you're a non-native speaker, though, be super careful with this because when you put it in your own words, we may go back to those snafus where you overuse a certain word. I mentioned to you earlier in another podcast about the word essentially. I knew a non-native speaker who said that every other word. Also, people tend to overuse things like at the end of the day, and they say it over and over and over again. Make sure that you have a variety of expressions. Make sure you're not hemming and hawing. There are certain things to be aware of that affect messaging because the message can get diluted if you're saying things that are distracting. So you have to stay on message, right? That means giving the viewpoint or the ideas that you want people to have at the end that you desire for them without telling people what they need to do as a command. So you might look at the verbs that you're using and make sure that you're painting a clear picture with the right vocabulary and the right ask without telling people how to think or feel. I think that's why storytelling is so common and so popular. You don't want to overdo it, and you certainly don't want to tell multiple stories, but sharing a personal story is useful because it solves more than one thing. You might look for dual purpose or multi-purpose things. In other words, you want them to get to know you better, and you also want to share a story. Why not share a story about yourself? You don't have to. You could share some other story. But the idea is that if you want to share a story and you want them to get to know you, why not kill two birds with one stone? So think about that in messaging. Is there something you can do to succeed in more than one area? And I find this, I've been listening a lot to political stuff recently just for fun to see how it's different. And I find if you go to a talk show that's political versus a talk show that's more like The View or something like that versus, you know, Bill Maher or Face the Nation or something where you have like a group of people, the George Stephanopoulos morning show on Sunday, where you bring in experts and they talk on something, people who are politically engaged are going to speak very differently than people who are talking about what clothes to buy or something like that. Good Morning America has a very different vibe than some of those Sunday news shows. And so the messaging here is that if it's something serious, if you're talking about a war or you're talking about you know, something that's going to have financial implications for people. Certainly, if you're talking about their money, you need to have a different tone and that affects messaging. I worked with clients years ago who had been in the care industry, and I don't mean healthcare, but more like massage or facials, something like that, estheticians, those kinds of jobs. And these folks had accents like a Swedish accent or a Hungarian accent. And they said they were very well received. And then I worked with two different women who left those fields and decided to go into finance. One of them worked for a company doing portfolios and things for people to help plan for retirement, things like that. And the other one was more of a freelance financial consultant. But both women told me that the accent didn't serve them when they were dealing with people's money. 
but it's very different when they were giving them a facial or rubbing their back or something like that. People loved the foreign accent. It was fun, but they didn't enjoy it when it came to finance. In fact, I would argue that the Hungarian and the Swedish accents actually added to the experience of being at a health center and getting a massage or getting a facial, but it really didn't add much. In fact, it distracted from it when I'm worried about my finance in my old age. I don't want to think that the person talking to me is from somewhere else, and that's paramount to me and in the forefront, and I'm thinking maybe this person doesn't know much about the U.S. Not that they don't know anything about finance or economics or investing, but that they're not able to help me with my personal profile. I'm going to pick someone who speaks like me. So it really does depend if it's around security. If you're dealing with something that people feel near and dear about, technology, I suppose, could go either way. Different if you're talking to engineers than if you're talking to salespeople. That's about knowing your audience. But the messaging goes hand in hand. So you're going to want to match your message with your tone. And if you're being serious, you're going to use certain language that is perhaps more detailed. Perhaps you're going to get into more details when you're being serious than when you're having a good time. You can go off topic a bit and have a different tonality. If your goal is to entertain, you don't have to worry as much about the specificity. I mean, there might be a few words that are specific for sure, but the idea is to get people to laugh with plays on words and things like that, as opposed to going into granular detail about how something works. That's going to be more important if you're being more serious and you need to be credible as opposed to funny. So there's definitely a match here and there are opportunities to multi-purpose things to get people to understand something but also to have fun with it. Another thing, the reason I brought up the political side was just when I'm watching these people and realizing, wow, this is so different than when I'm watching something else. There's just a feel and a whole vibe. And whether you think somebody's smart or not, does that matter? When someone's trying to be funny, when you're listening to a comedian, does it matter how smart or how intelligent they are? But when someone is managing your finances, you want to know that they know a lot about finance and the economy. So different things matter. Another thing that comes up with the political stuff is the framing. And I notice how they always want to frame it from their perspective and they don't want to agree with someone asking them a question and they don't want to address the question directly. So for example, when you're dealing with a customer, you always want to address their question. If you're talking about something else and the customer goes, well, I don't need to know all that. Just where can I enroll? Let them enroll. Let them do what they need to do because you want the customer to be happy. Not that the customer is always right, but we know how that goes, right? You have to please your customer. And the idea is that with politics, it's so different because if your message, messaging is everything for them, notice how serious it is to them. If they're asked a question by a reporter and they answer it incorrectly, it lives forever. That soundbite is out there on the internet and that can really erode their meaning because what they're offering is their vision and the perception and the language. Whereas if you're selling homes or you're designing technology, you're offering something in addition to just your speech. You're offering the ability for you to do something. I can get you top dollar for your home. Or I can design this technology that's going to work so well that's at the forefront. Or marketing or whatever it might be. You're offering something beyond just the words. But with politics, a lot of it is verbiage and perception. And so that is why the framing is so important. They will reframe absolutely everything in the public eye. The stakes are high. They're on, going to be on a televised show. And they'll be asked a question and they will reframe it every time. They'll never answer the question. 
that's very off-putting to me because I work with customers and if someone asks me a question, I'm never going to try to derail them and not answer their question. However, in politics, you have to do that. So it's knowing the forum and then working on doing that. If reframing is important to you, learn how to do that well. If it's not, if like for me, that isn't important, I need to go right to what the customer asked me, not try to get them to listen to me talk about something else, or I'm going to lose them and they'll just go work with somebody else. So it is really important to directly answer their question and let them know that you did that. So you need to practice how much repetition is involved, how much framing of the issue. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about context and how to set that clearly, because I think that's a, a subtopic. But perfecting the messaging is getting the language down, often writing down the sound bites that you want people to remember, and then strategically placing them. What would the best intro for this soundbite be? How can I place it six times in the middle? And how can I end in a way that people take action on it? And I think if you ask yourself those questions, the messaging will be clear. There's no way to tell people exactly what the word should be because it's going to be different for every audience, every venue, every vernacular, all those things. It is different. But what's important about it is that if your messaging is off, you've lost people. Even if you look great in your suit and you speak clearly and you move your hands well, your nonverbal matches your verbal. But if your messaging is off, everything's off. And I think it's counter to what you hear. You often hear that People are going to look at nonverbal communication more than the context or more than the content. Both of those matter. The context, meaning everything else, the background information and what goes around it. But the content is the actual words you're using and what you're saying and what you're talking about. But for me, what I think of is if you don't make any mistakes in the other stuff, that is you speak clearly and your nonverbal syncs with your verbal, if all that's done correctly, then people listen to what you say. And if you want them to truly listen to what you say, you got to perfect your messaging. I hope there were a few nuggets in that that you find useful. And I look forward to talking to you next about how to set context clearly.